In the second half, Maxi looking for more. He's got it! Daniel House will up and under on the lob and then flies in with the emphatic one hand jam. Niang looking for more from outside. Bang, bang, George Niang! Joel, the process What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Pick Swap Podcast. And it looks like I got invited to Michael Rubin's party, but uh, Sean didn't make the cut. How are you feeling about that, Sean? Yeah, I guess my invite got lost in the mail, or yeah. I don't know. I don't know what happened with that. Grant Williams yeah. maybe took it from me. I'm not. PJ not really Tucker sure. didn't get one either, so no worries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shout out PJ for airing out the grievances online. That's when the, that was a uh, that made me sad for PJ. It did. <laughs> I, I hope he didn't actually spend the Fourth of July alone. He's uh always welcome to any party that i have so if you're listening pj uh know you always always have a place to to hang out down here um but we got a lot to talk about today uh we're early in july here first week after free agency in the draft uh we talked a little bit about some of the draft prospects and everything last week uh and there has been a lot that has transpired since then so a lot to cover today where do you want to start sean yeah, I guess we'll start with the the elephant in the room, which is still the James Harden situation. So I, I, I just dropped the video on the channel, which you guys can check out, where I went pretty in-depth on just like where the two sides are, where James Harden point of view with the Sixers. So you guys should check that out as well. But I do want to get your thoughts on it, James. So basically, the situation at hand is James Harden, the expectation from the second that he signed that last contract was that he would opt out and sign more of a long-term deal this offseason. Then there was the whispers of him pushing free agency, trying to potentially find a new team or drive up a market, and there wasn't one. So we opt in with the decision to get traded with the Los Angeles Clippers as kind of the intended team. There seems to be the only team with some mutual interest there. What are your thoughts on like the whole situation, and what do you expect to happen from here? Yeah, I think I'm kind of coming to terms with it. Looks like this is going to be um a similar team to what we saw last year minus a a few role players and bringing in some new ones which we'll talk about today um but from every everything we've seen over the last week and it's hard to read into these different things that have happened over the last couple weeks whether it's the the michael rubin party or the daryl morey tweet in front of caramel cookie or whatever it is all of the very sixers things to have happened over the last week or so um i feel like harden's gonna be back here from from everything we've seen and heard the market for him is non-existent yeah i was gonna say non-existent um shockingly low i i would characterize it as so everything we've seen so far is just the sixers are not getting anywhere near the value in return that they would be willing to move on from him for so if that's the case you can't blame them for trying to figure it out and um i will say a lot of people are going to be very negative about that i think if he's able to buy in what i'm what i'm worried about is maybe him not caring too much yeah but I, I want to believe in the better version of him. And I want to believe that um, he does appreciate Joel and Maxi and, and even Tobias and uh, Philadelphia as a city. <clears throat> so I don't know. I'm, I'm hopeful for it, although not outwardly excited. So what's your level of concern for that? Because we've been through the Ben Simmons situation where the issue was Ben Simmons did not show up, that he hold out. We don't have to worry about that with James Harden. He will be there, but that might be worse. Do you think there's a chance that he dogs it, that he shows up 75 pounds overweight again, like he's done in two other spots, as he did in Brooklyn, as he did in in Houston? And I get their different situations. 
Houston, I even kind of give him a pass for because, like, at that point, in fairness, like, he did exhaust all his options. They did try with a million different guys, with the Chris Paul, with Russell Westbrook. They tried to make that a functioning competitive team, and it wasn't, and it was past the window. It was time for him to move on. Brooklyn was more of, uh, I guess, alarming to me, and don't get me wrong, I supported it at the time because I wanted him to come to Philly, and I, I guess, like, there's that, I guess, you know, having a horse in the race situation, but do you think there's a chance that he pulls kind of the same stunts or are you just hoping that it isn't the case? I'm going to allow him to prove me wrong here. And I'm going to say that I think it's, I think there's too much mutual respect uh, just in between the locker room and and the front office. And uh, whether this was a feud internally or whether it was blown out of proportion, I do believe that there is some, you know, genuine level of care and respect between Daryl Morey and James Harden. We've seen it definitely from Morey's side, but maybe if you're looking at how this all played out, like Harden did have the chance to see what his market was in free agency. And he decided it wasn't high enough. And the Sixers have now had a chance to see what his market was in the trade market uh, or what his value was in the trade market. And again, not good enough. So both sides have now looked um, on the other side of the fence and maybe they're realizing the grass isn't greener over there, um, which might very well be the case whether people want to hear it or not that might end up being uh the situation that plays out and i, I don't know if it's necessarily the worst option it's, like if his market is that low as it was reported today they're not even willing to put norman powell in the deal yeah like we're talking about yeah real real bad dark times um if that was the case yeah i'm i'm kind of i think in the minority in the way that i'm not worried about him dogging it um, because he just can't in my mind. We see what the market is right now. These things do eventually stick to you. When you demand out of two places because you don't want to be there, teams do notice that thing. And it's always the greater the talent, the longer your leash with those kind of antics. We just saw Kyrie Irving ink a pretty significant deal that I was honestly surprised to see, but there's still a three-year deal that is no longer the the max contract. That It's a similar situation. And frankly, Kyrie Irving is a way more talented basketball player than James Harden at this stage in both of their careers. Now, for James Harden, like I'm not worried about him dogging it because I, I I, think there's a real world where if he does the same nonsense where he shows up out of weight, there's just not another team that's interested in him ever again. Like I can see a world where he's a veteran minimum guy moving forward, which would be crazy for the talent level that he is and for still the usefulness that he is as a basketball player. But with all that being said, James, I can't do it. Like I can't talk myself into this is an unserious franchise. If, if they go the length of the season – And I can hear you out on like, maybe we're waiting for closer to the deadline. We want to see how things go in the building. Let's see how much Maxi's improved. Let's see what teams are either contending more than they expected and are looking for win now chips, like potentially a James Harden, or if it is a a team looking to be a seller, maybe the Bulls start super slow and want to blow things up, trade Zach Levine. I can kind of hear on this argument, but if we go the entire length of the season, we go into the playoffs with the same exact starting five as last year. This is just an unserious franchise, James. I'm going to I'm going to defer with you here. Not not in a lot of ways, but just in enough so that we can have this this conversation. But <laughs> I like if you're looking at this like plainly, it takes at least two teams and we see how complicated this can get. It takes at least two teams to trade players, right? right. And there has to be significant value on the Sixers side. If the market for James Harden, like we're talking James Harden, legacy and all if the market for him is Marcus Morris and Robert Covington and maybe a second, God knows what the market is for Tobias Harris right now. There's no way that you can look at that and say, this is something the Sixers should do. Daryl Morey cannot make James Harden and Tobias Harris more valuable than they are. 
And if other teams and the market is telling to them, we get nothing back for this. We would actually be like draining our franchise and probably ruining everything and seeing just like the automatic worst possible outcome. So you can't blame them for that. What you can blame them for is waiting too long, not having their shit together and then watching free agents walk away. You can blame them for that, which, you know, we are seeing a little bit of the tail end of this and maybe they're going to pick it up and try to find loose pieces around the edges to still give them flexibility, which sure that makes sense and probably what they would pass it as. But I think it was a mistake to watch this free agency just blow by without a real answer, letting three guys go that were in your rotation last season. And really, I mean, outside of Niang, um, I mean, I don't know if I would have, I don't think I would have brought shake back on that deal, but like McDaniels one hurt a little bit um, to see him walk, especially after, you know, everything that transpired to get him here. Yeah, that was the one that hurt me the most was McDaniels because to me, he's like a primetime Nick Nurse guy. Like the people saying that, like, he's such a Toronto Raptor. It's like those were Nick Nurse guys who's yeah. currently in Philadelphia. Like I, to, that, that's the one that doesn't make sense to me. And it was like four point two mil or something. Yeah, nine, was, I think it was two year, nine point six mil, something like that. Yeah. Like that's Dan House money. That's like if you want a guy, you pay him that. And I, I do get like the for starters, the Sixers just don't have a lot to work with financially. Uh, they don't have a lot of pieces trade-wise either. And also the bigger piece to me is they're kind of back in the corner of if there is a James Harden trade or if there is a Tobias Harris trade, both will drastically alter what your needs are as a team. So you mm-hmm. kind of like want to sit back and make sure that you have your assets for when you know what you need versus rather than going out there and, I don't know, signing a a a true point guard, maybe a more true point guard than Pat Bev. And then you end up getting one back in a trade and then you kind of screw yourself from a roster standpoint. So they're always not in the easiest position here. I get all that, but none of these things make me feel better about the six chances of contending for a championship or improving theirs. And I don't know. I, I I'm very frustrated with the state of the team. I'm also over. I, I was kind of a, a leap year kind of guy was my mindset for a little bit. I don't think it makes any sense anymore. I think you need to do whatever you can do. And the reason I say that is because I really don't see any value in creating that level of cap space. This seems to be something more he's starting to package and market and believe is the right route. Stars just don't leave in free agency anymore. It just doesn't happen. The best player to leave on a significant deal this year was Fred Van Fleet. Don't get me wrong. I like Fred Van Fleet. I think he's a nice player. Is he a three-year, $130 million player? Absolutely not. And the only reason that he got that is because you have to pay that four guys to leave and especially go to Houston at this point in time. So I don't see a world where creating that cap space, letting James Harden and Tobias Harris walk where the Sixers end out, end up on the better end of that either. But again, and I'm going to differ on you here again. I'm liking this actually. Normally we agree on everything. I, and I do agree with you to a large degree, but the other side that I will just bring up is like to kind of start from the beginning, you, We've watched this team be a one seed, a three seed, and a four seed. Like, and they, where they should. Ended up. <laughs> well, no, exactly. Uh, no, one hundred percent. Like, I fully agree with you. It's how how much are we weighing on talent? How much are we weighing on? I mean, obviously, we've had significant like bad games from the two stars here. But how much are you weighing? How much does the coach change that for you? How much does the growth of Maxi change that for you? And the things like they did make a significant change, and a lot of people, some people will overrate it, and some people will underrate it. I think that we aren't rating it high enough quite yet. We haven't yeah. seen the impact yet. This is hopefully, from all accounts, going to be a different team in terms of just how they're run and how they operate. And they should be on paper. They absolutely are talented enough to compete in the Eastern Conference all up and down. 
they should be able to make a conference finals. Like talent wise, the Sixers are good enough to be there. So what do they have to change? Maybe it's tactics, maybe it's other things, but I think it's really hard for them right now. And I don't mean to be like a Daryl Morey kiss ass or a Sixers front office kiss ass. Like I don't want to come off that way, even though it might kind of seem like that right now. But if like you can't make their trade value go up just by snapping your finger, I think they're in a tough spot. The money, like again, I think they messed up in free agency, but I don't know, man. Maybe they'll maybe they'll piece it together. But I don't know. I'm just being the the house optimist. I'm trying to be at least. No, I like it, and I do agree with you that I think Nick Nurse is going to make a significant difference in this team. My biggest issue is James Harden is I don't want to say uncoachable because that's like the wrong kind of yeah. connotation that I mean in this regard, but he's not going to stylistically change his game. He is exactly who he is at this stage of his career. And to be honest, from Harden's perspective, like he's been doing it for over a decade and has been an MVP and had this level of success. Like I get it. But I also don't see a world where the Nick Nurse style and the James Harden style blend very well. Like I don't see a, there's any conversation that they can get James Harden to start running and shooting off screens or dude, we had to like drop to our knees and beg for this guy to catch and shoot for periods of time. Like one of the more base basic basketball skills. And like, for Harden, even looking back at this whole year, these leaks about wanting more basketball freedom or playing the way he wants to play, like what what do you want, dude? Like what what is what more is there that we can put on James Harden plate? Because you led the NBA in assists, you ran the pick and roll very well, you had the number one amount of isolation attempts of anyone in the entire NBA. You had those attempts, and there's also no world where he plays better than he does last year. That's how I feel. I think there's some people that might sit on the other side. I just don't see it where he can turn back the clock enough where the hamstring gets better. I think James Arden is who he is at this point. And that's a, still a good player, a fine player. It's not a guy who, as your number two, can win an NBA championship. Yeah, um, you. that's a very fair point. I'm not going to uh, dispute <laughs> that too much. But what I will say again is like he was a 20 and 10 guy in by all, like he should have been an all-star if we're being honest. Yeah. Like Drew Holiday got that nod yeah. over him and no disrespect to Drew Holiday. But like Harden should have been an all-star last year. He was, again, leading the league in assists. And their offense was boring and unimaginative and slow. And they never got out on the break. And they didn't have any off-ball movement. Like, you pray to God that they're implementing some of that where the burden should come off of his shoulders as an ISO player. And maybe he still wants that and he should get those opportunities because if he's going to prove to be valuable, he has to succeed in those opportunities. But like, yeah. Maxi still has the chance to step up again as a... Uh, number two score and again like you're hoping that there's some sort of unlocking of bumping Tobias up a, a few points per game or getting him in better situations or you know a little bit more flow um, in the offense and just something that's more fluid and allows them to play the game they're like I don't know if we all remember the first like 10 games when Harden got here and we were like what the hell is going on everything's working everyone's moving they're on the fast break all the time and then it slowed down and it was just pick and rolls. It was just hardened ISOs and Justin beat ISOs. And like, that yeah. was it. Yeah. So the only thing that I can really look for to find some hope is the fact that there should be a little bit more of that playing free basketball, fast basketball, and maybe Harden buys into that. Cause it looked like he was, it looked like he was kind of bringing that rather than just buying into it when he first got here. Yeah, but the only like uptick in pace is basically his like full court pass, which he's excellent at. He's absolutely yes, excellent at those for sure. And that is extremely helpful when you have a guy like Tyreek Maxey who can leak out on the break, catch those, and finish incredibly well. Maxey, who by the way, uh, shout out NBA University, is number one in the entire NBA for lowest turnovers per drive attempt, which is 
and pretty awesome. incredible. Like we've talked about his maturity as far as like a playmaker and just as a whole, as an, as a basketball player and as a human being, it's, it's incredibly impressive for a guy that's 22 years old. I, I, every time I circle back to like how the Sixers can get better or what their outlook is as a team, it's all the gamble of how good Tyrese Maxey can get. And I do believe in him. I think he's going to be terrific. I don't know if I'm ready to say at age 23 at next year, this guy's ready to just take the keys and drive this car to a championship. Cause that's a lot to ask out of this kid. And to be honest, Maxie has over exceeded expectations by so far. Like it would be extremely unfair to him to look at it as like a failure if that's not the case. Cause it frankly should not be his job. And it's impressive that he's in that conversation. But I just keep circling back to what the six Sixers legitimate championship chances are or how good Tyrese Maxey can get. Yeah, I fully agree. Um, and Tyrese has proven time and again that uh, every time we think he is outperforming himself he takes it up a notch so i don't i don't think it's out of the realm to believe he'll get even better next year and i think he'll be shooting more threes and i think he'll be getting more opportunities um as an on-ball creator as well so we'll get to see some more creativity out of him and the mid-range work a little bit more like i think that there's going to be more food on his plate to eat and yeah you know i don't I don't see a reason why not um so with him i'm super excited to see what what he brings um do you want to move here we got a couple of free agents to talk about i i didn't know if you wanted to touch on Jaden springer really quick because i you know hit me we've talked about him a lot i love the kid i think he's gonna be so good i'm i'm really excited um about him just like dude athletically he's an anomaly and so strong and intense on the defensive end i love it and i think under pat bev too uh which we'll talk about in a sec i think it's a really good thing for him to to get to learn under pat bev yeah uh i i'll say so we're recording this before summer league game two um if you want to watch my full thoughts on summer league game two you can tune into the live which will be on this channel as well with the guys who are at edge of philly sports so we're purely talking about game one i was a little unimpressed with Jaden springer to be honest i see it like i see the athleticism yeah. i see the defensive there's no doubt in my mind he's an NBA defender, and, and I've said this for the past year now. And I will say, like, I only went down to Bluecoats twice last year. I uh, saw a couple other games for a couple minutes. He did look more polished offensively, but it's still not at the level that the Sixers need it. Yeah. Now, granted, like, he is doing things that he will not be asked to do in an NBA situation. He's not going to have to attack off the dribble and create his own jump shot in the way that he is right now in Summer League. <laughs> But when you're a third year, a third year guy going into summer league, the expectation is for you to dominate. And yeah. I didn't feel that way about Jaden Springer. I thought he had his flashes. The jump shot, I'm still not buying, unfortunately. And I know he's a guy who shot 40% in college, but it was on very limited attempts. And I think that very much drove up his draft stock in a way that I, I, I looking back, I don't think is the case. I do think Nick Nurse will give him a shot this year, and I'm excited. I hope he grabs it and runs with it. I hope that I'm like, and I'm not counting him out after one summer league game by any means, but I just wish there was like, I'm not seeing the offensive polish that I was hoping for. Yeah, and I guess uh, we have some scars from defensive specialists that don't shoot very well. So it's, uh, I do want to shout out, oh, my bad, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it is a re- very good reason to doubt um, or have some suspicions, but I'm I'm just excited for him to get a chance, like to see what he can actually do in the NBA as well. For sure, and I do want to shout out Turkavian Smith, who is very yeah. much my guy. Uh, <laughs> I I see. Uh, I can't stop making the Bones Highland comparison to him. Yeah. I think to me, he's like Bones Highland 2.0. Now, get, don't get me wrong, Bones Highland's a guy that was traded for just about scraps this year and struggled to stay in the rotation in, with the Clippers. But the Sixers just have never really had that archetype of player. He's, I get it. Like the frame's a concern. He weighs 165 pounds, which is nothing for a guy that is six foot four. 
but dude, yeah. he's just a hooper. He the Sixers lack guys that like you drop them off at a random blacktop and they would dominate. Like they just don't yeah. like think about dropping Matisse Thibel off at a blacktop. Do you think he like cooks everyone there? Because I don't. You think PJ Tucker would beat everyone on a one on one situation in a blacktop? Because I don't think that's yes. the case. I, I don't PJ I don't. Tucker has a bag. No, no. But and, and don't get me wrong, like he's good. He every NBA player is incredible at basketball. But I think sometimes like the Sixers specifically have gotten too obsessed with grabbing like these niche, like, you know, one thing they're excellent at and hope the rest develops. I just like basketball players, man. I like guys that do compete, that have a bag to them, that like when all else fails, they're going to figure something out. That's Turkavian Smith to me. I can't believe he went undrafted. I'm very happy he's on a Sixers two-way deal, and I think there's a real chance he's a rotation player moving forward. Well, I'm uh, I'm hopeful for him as well. I did like what I saw in game one, um, but I do want to move here um, to some of the free agents that the Sixers have signed. Uh, a lot of almost Sixers have finally become Sixers uh, this past week, starting off with someone I'm super excited about, Patrick Beverly, uh, finally here. A lot that he had to say um, on his podcast. Cool of him to you know drop the news himself. Um, big fan of Roan as well. So cool yeah. to see that whole situation play out. And Pat Bev is a Sixer. What are your thoughts there, Sean? I'm pretty excited about it. I think more than the consensus. And I will say I submitted a question to the Pat Bev pod. I saw that. Yeah, where I asked the chances of him ever coming to Philly if he was ever close. He pretty much dodged the question as far as directly asking, but I'm very happy that it came to fruition. I do think he's a guy that is made for Philadelphia. The Sixers, as much as like P.J. Tucker was that dog that they needed, and he did yell in Embiid's ear, and he does make those diving on the floor plays, they still need more of that. It wasn't enough yep. last year. Pat Bev's absolutely that. I also think he works as like a defensive-minded pairing with Maxi or even with Harden if he's here. So I like that. He spoke really highly of Nick Nurse on the podcast too, which mm -hmm. I think is very cool. They were uh, Nurse coach Pat Bev at the then D-League level, the G-League level, uh, way back in the day, which is pretty cool that that worked out. But I think he's a, a good veteran leader. He's another good locker room guy that's going to start bringing a presence. There still needs to be some changes to the culture. To me, this is what the Pat Bev edition is about. And he seems excited to be here, which to me is also very important. Yeah, um, I did watch that that podcast today, his uh, most recent one. And he had a lot of good things to say about Nurse and uh, Maury and just kind of what he was planning to bring to Philadelphia. Um, and, you know, everyone's always said the city was built for him. He was built for the city. You love to see a guy like that kind of embrace it. And he talked about on the pod that he's uh, going to be living in Philly. He wants to feel the city. So excited for him to get to see what this is all about um, and the fans here. And I think that he's going to love it. And there's going to be games where like Pat Bev is like everyone's favorite player. And I can't oh, yeah. wait for those nights that he is calling on the crowd and, uh, you know, makes a big play for all that. And, and you know, he, he's a veteran backup point guard. Like we've kind of been asking for a player, maybe not directly this archetype, but he's at least a guy that can handle the ball isn't going to be stupid and is going to play intense defense the entire time he's in the game um, and bring a, a respect and to the game um, that I think the Sixers have lacked in the past. And we've talked about them just being kind of, um, you know, lazy and pretentious as basketball players in the way that they attack a regular season game. And I think uh, Pat Beverly is a guy that does not do that, uh, does not take it for granted for sure. So yeah. I am, I think I'm with you there. I'm very excited about, Pat Bevan. We've talked about him so many times almost coming here, so it's nice to see him finally uh, make the move. Yeah, absolutely. And another interesting little plot twist in it, or whatever you want to call it, is he did speak to Doc Rivers beforehand, and I do have yeah. the, the quote here as well. Um, per Pat Bev, when he talked to Doc Rivers on the, the phone, his response, exact words, quote, 
I love Philadelphia for you. They need you. You will be great with Joel James. If I had you last season, we would have been a different team. Uh, I do think this is partially, you know, Doc Rivers. You know, can't just take the uh, take. Can't just swallow an L. Never does. He always needs a little something else. But I do like that he said that about Pat Bev. Um, I do think he's got like a necessary component to this team. And don't get me wrong, like he's for sure past his prime. I don't. I don't have the highest of expectations, and even the prime of Bat Beverly, like an all-defensive guy for sure, but you weren't getting much on the offensive end ever. He's a capable three-point shooter. His numbers have been down the past four years, which is a, a long time, uh, but he's still like an average, at least respectable three-point shooter, a guy that will do it, and every once in a while, he, he will like get a nice bucket and let you hear about it, which I like. He gave LeBron the too small this year, which was awesome. Yeah. But he, he's got that to him, so I was surprised to hear, hear him talk to Doc. I was surprised to see doc speak highly of philadelphia but what are your thoughts on that yeah um man i try not to think about that guy too much i, I can't <laughs> believe he keeps finding his way back into the conversation yeah, yeah. here thought we were done um but yeah i mean disappointed but not surprised i feel like it's a good way to kind of just encapsulate doc rivers experience here as a whole um and that's kind of just another thing of, oh, another way to just deflect any sort of responsibility for the way the last couple of seasons ended and uh, but maybe he's right. Maybe he's right. Maybe this is what they need. You know, I saw a couple minutes of um, like highlights from a game that 2018. This, this is going to sound ridiculous. This is going to sound just ridiculous. Um, like the 2018 series against the Heat in the first round. And it, it's not really about anyone specific there. Um, but I just remember seeing Joel like making shots and talking shit like immediately. And like giving stuff to the other team's bench and the other team's players and like celebrating and being in people's faces. And like, I know we've tried to get him to calm down for so many years and he has, and he's done a great job and he's gotten, you know, immensely better since that point in time, but the attitude isn't there as much anymore, man. And I want, I love that Pat Bev is that way. And I hope that he's always that way with Joel. Cause I want to see that again, man. I want to see that like punk attitude from Joel. He hasn't brought it out in a long time. Um, It's always like, it's just uh, little shots here and there, which you love to see because he's on point every time. But yeah. I want him to just like be out there um, like he used to be. And I think Pat Bev does a lot of that. I, I do miss the Twitter trolling and Instagram trolling specifically. I'm not even talking about online, man. I want like in the game. Like he would dunk on somebody and shimmy in their face. Like I haven't seen <laughs> that in so long. You're right, but he had to reel that in. And oh, like, for sure. Like I again, I loved every second of it as he did it, and I still makes me smile when he'll break out the occasional like you'll see like a moment where he'll let a guy know or do a little celebration, yeah. and I do love it. But like you don't want your best player doing that. You want Not Patrick Beverly doing it. You, you yeah. There is definitely a world where the Sixers turn into like the ultimate shit talking team, where it's just Good. PJ Tucker, Pat Bev. Joel Embiid going on barking at people. But, dude, if they do that for a whole season and we lose in the second round once again, I will lose my absolute mind. I'd rather be that team, though. I'd rather be that team than a bitch team that gets bitched all the time. And it seems like we're a bitch team that gets bitched all the time. And I'd <laughs> rather be the other way around. I'm gonna If you're going to go out, you might as well go out talking shit. It's better than putting your tail between your legs and freaking cracking up and dapping up your boys that just kicked your ass in game seven like i'd rather be that team i'd rather be the team that people hate and that people like like oh my god they never stop talking shit i'd rather be that team it's way better that. to be that team i hear that i just don't want to turn into the memphis grizzlies of the east man and i think there's a world where that happens. yeah well you know your best player isn't gonna go yeah i'm fine in the east i'm not afraid of anybody or in the break east. out and you're not gonna scram live hopefully yeah, yeah or do the gritty while you walk off a, a game in <laughs> december like there's there's levels to it and like 
Joel Embiid is the freaking MVP, man. He's not Dylan Brooks. So, like, there's a bit of a difference. Sure. And they're corny and, like, just not it. But there's a difference. There definitely is a big difference. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and I, I do. There, like, it does. I want somewhat of that. I want a middle ground of that. I want more of it than we saw last year. Yeah. I just need to make sure that there's a there's a line in the sand on it as they, they go into it. But um, let's talk about a guy who doesn't talk a lot of shit by most regards, and that is Mo Bamba. <laughs> Um, yeah. Mo Bamba, you know, has a song about him. He's a guy that was once a highly recruited guy, has not really found footing in the NBA. For me, he's been very much like an eye test versus analytics, just don't match up. I personally love Mo Bamba. I've been a fan of his. I, to me, like if you're you have a seven foot ten wingspan and shoot above average from three, there's always a spot for you on my roster. He's also a guy that is friends with Joel. What do you think of the Mo Bamba signing? Uh, I like I like it, man. Um, it caught me off guard. Uh, yeah. It was like literally right before we started this. Uh, and you, I saw that you named the episode that. Uh, but one of my buddies texted me and was just like Mo Bamba. Uh, and I <laughs> caught me off guard. Uh, I'm excited for it. Uh, I want to get your like really quick before I I keep going. Like, you think does this affect Paul Reed coming back at all? Like, you wouldn't expect it to, right? Uh, so I want to read the Woj tweet here, which uh made me a little nervous. Um. So for starters, I think the plan for Paul Reed, by all accounts, was to basically match whatever offer. I think the Sixers did the respectable thing of basically like, go get a market. If you get an offer, we're, we're going to match it, basically. Um, so they haven't officially signed the uh, offer sheet. I, I still think Paul Reed's coming back. I also think there's a lot of worlds where Nick Nurse looks at Paul Reed as a four rather than a five yeah. and wants that flexibility, wants another true big man. Um Joel Embiid was the only guy above six foot nine on the Sixers roster uh, until right now, until Mo Bamba was signed. Yeah. But the Woj report. So first it was just the initial Mo Bamba has agreed to a one year deal and then said Philadelphia is bringing in Bamba with the intention of keeping re- restricted free agent Paul Reed. But Bamba gives these Sixers some security behind Joel Embiid if they do lose Reed. I, uh, I politely commented under that and just said losing Paul Reed would be the worst decision the Sixers franchise has ever made. <laughs> Might have been a little strong, but I, I don't want to see Paul Reed walk under any circumstances. I, I would say I don't think that this really does it. I, I actually think um, I don't know if I'd say I don't I want to say it, it increases the possibility of him coming back. But I think it's we've been talking about him playing the four for like a while. Yeah. Yeah, I think sure. that's where he belongs. Um, and dude, they're going to be ugh, they're going to be so nasty, at, like defensively. Um, if that's the combo, dude, I just wish they kept McDaniels because that would have been just a. Yeah. gross lineup to put out but you got to think um mo Bama gives you the exact thing that we haven't had right he's not afraid to shoot the three he's gonna rim run and he's gonna catch lobs and he's gonna block shots and we've been like praying for this kind of player um i mean not to say that he's the savior by any means like he's gonna play sparingly minutes he's gonna you know do a very specific role but i think it's a, a type of player that fits well if james harden is handling the basketball or just in general it's a nice guy to have on your bench um he has struggled in you know now multiple cities but maybe yeah. this is the place that he finds some footing and um you know he's not going to be asked to do too much and you have other options so it's just a flexibility thing there and uh yeah i think it's a good signing for i mean it's just one year and i'm sure it's not a lot of money so uh kind of low risk high reward yeah uh he's a guy that every coach seems to absolutely hate which is a little bit of a concern uh that's one of the reasons he can't find minutes I've seen like the highs of Mo Bamba are awesome. The lows are pretty bad. His block rate, he's been near the top of the NBA every single year. He's been in the league, even with the limited minutes and, and things like that. Um, I'm also a little bit victim of like remembering when they play against the Sixers. And I yeah. will not forget the uh, Joel Embiid versus Mo Bamba duel where Bamba hit literally seven threes in the game and 
just could not miss. Uh, I don't expect to get that on an every night basis, but the fact that that's in the tank to me is very appealing. Um, and I did mention the the Joel Embiid relationship. I think that's notable. I I always think it's important to to keep guys around that you know keep Joel happy. And there's very few players that he seems to have a strong relationship with. Uh, Mo Bamba also a Drew Hanlon guy, so works in that same kind of community and works out with Joel on a number of occasions. So I think that's awesome. I expect them to be getting in some work together this summer, which will be great. Um, maybe this is what he needs. To me, like it's a low risk, high reward move and i don't know i like it i i'm i'm happy to be bought back in on the Obama train because he's been a guy that i've liked forever and it has not aged very well so i guess this is kind of a last chance last ditch attempt for my take in Obama's career to be honest yeah <laughs> um yeah i mean i I'll, i think i'll put it this way like the sixers are gonna have this like this role etched out in their bench regardless like whether it was going to be deandre jordan Dwayne deadman or you know, now Mo Bamba, I, I would like to think that at this point in his career, Mo Bamba is a, an upgrade to those two guys in um, consecutive seasons. So it's better to have a guy that has, you know, something as at least able to like get up and down the floor without passing out um, and protect the rim better than the two of those guys. So um, they were going to have it anyway. It's, it's good to know that he's the one that they uh, take on there. How many games will it take for Nick Nurse to play Mo Bamba and Joel Embiid at the same time. I think there will be a situation where it happens. Uh, I think like for like the, I don't want to say end of game situations because there's you know there's very much world where you don't want both of them on the floor. But if there's like like a lob threat opportunity or something, you roll out like a Bamba and Embiid in the front court. Nobody's catching a lob. Nobody's getting up for that. So <laughs> yeah. I I think there will be opportunities where it can be used. And even if they go against like a like a Minnesota Timberwolves or something like that, like. Why not give it a shot? Get, let Embiid hang out on the perimeter or let him – either way, you'll figure out a way to use them. I think there's worlds where there will be situations where it's used, and I think a, a Bamba and Paul Reed front court would be pretty sick as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm just imagining uh, Joel getting doubled and Mo Bamba in the dunker and him being able to just <laughs> throw it up bombs. next to the rim. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's better than having Tucker there. He's not a very vertical athlete. But, I mean, I guess this this kind of puts us in, like, if you're thinking about the starting lineup as it stands right now, same thing as last year, Harden, Maxi, Harris, Tucker, Embiid. And then your next five is looking like Pat Bev, Melton, Daniel House, Paul Reed, Mo Bamba. Given yeah. that Paul Reed comes back. And by the way, Bamba can like legitimately shoot too. Like I'm pulling up his numbers yeah. now. Three for his career, he's a thirty-five point nine percent three-point shooter on two point five attempts per game, which is pretty good for a big man, especially if you even want to look back. Like, um, his the twenty-one twenty-two season with Orlando, he shot thirty-eight point one percent on four attempts per game. Like, that's that's legit. That's legit. Yeah, and four attempts per game for a guy of his frame and size is really shocking to see. So that that's yeah. appealing to me. Like, again, this is a the box score and. The analytics don't exactly match the eye test with him for sure, but I'm in on Mo Bamba, and to me, this is worth a shot. I will 10 times out of 10 take him over the DeAndre Jordan, Andre Drummond. Drummond was okay. Dwight Howard, whatever. That yeah. that category of big man that the Sixers just have to have on their team, give me Mo Bamba in that slot. Yeah, we'll take him. Um, so this, like I said, it kind of um, leans out their roster there. Um, as of right now, I don't know what their cap space looks like with uh you know these two contracts we put on all albeit them very small contracts um so just kind of give me a rundown where, where what's the outlook right now in terms of 
any more free agents, any trades on the horizon? Like, what are you expecting or just general outlook um, from right now? I guess a lot of it is up in the air. Yeah, I don't expect much. I, I think, honestly, that's probably the only other signing that they make until the Paul Reed one, which I still think will happen. I still expect Paul Reed back. Um, the They're going to sit back and figure out if there is a James Harden trade, if there is a Tobias Harris trade, it's looking unlikely for both at this point in time, but it only takes one offer. It only takes one team. And if things can change, that can happen quickly. Opportunity is not a lengthy visitor as Daryl Morey's Twitter bio will tell you. So I do expect the phones to keep ringing that throughout the summer, they're going to keep exploring that, but I can't see them making any sort of significant trade. I do believe they still have the mid-level exception. uh, So they could, offer some tier of player i've seen some cali Ubre stuff swirling around i think that's pretty much made up out of thin air no indications that the sixers are actually connected to them that's possible they still have a need for a wing so i mean as much as we'll hate cali Ubre for times like i wouldn't totally hate that signing so but i don't know it's going to be moves within the margin until the the bigger fish here decided what pond they're swimming in i think that's good analysis is, is tyrese maxi untouchable to you yeah yeah i I'm not, I, yeah, I wouldn't trade him for Dane Lillard, which is essentially the question. I wouldn't trade him for Paul George or Kawhi either, which is probably all we got on the table. I, I mean, you've heard my spiel about, I do still think there's a world where Joel Embiid takes a step back and is more of a defensive-minded guy, more of a rebounding focus on that and isn't as high usage offensively, and the Sixers are still contenders. Tyrese Maxey is a huge part of that world, and you, you find another high-caliber offensive player to pair with them. That's still a team that, I'm ready to root for and be back in on. So for me, Tyrese Maxey untouchable. I love it. Uh, I'm just going to agree with you and not not go into any more depth. I think you covered it there. Um, I, I mean, I, I had this. I did have this conversation yesterday uh, with some of my friends, and I think I'm. I actually think I am on board with you. Like, especially for Dame. If you're thinking just for Dame, um, yeah. dude, like We're- he's what 33, mm-hmm. and I mean. I, He's had a great career. Absolutely had a great career. He decided the super, like the uh, max extension where he makes so much money over the next few years. Like you are absolutely nailing in your coffin of the next three seasons are win or that's it. We are going into a pit of despair following those three seasons because we have no assets and we have no money or picks like, or picks. Yeah. Like you have nothing. So you're in a really, really bad spot. Tyrese Maxey is the hope that you're, franchise continues to be productive um into the twilight years of joel and whatever comes after this james harden and tobias season so i think i'm with you man i I don't think it makes sense for them right now and again that's another reason why like i I don't know i I feel like this summer has played out so it looks so badly on the sixers part and i'm not going to deny that they haven't done a good like they've maybe missed at times here i'm going to absolutely say that but i feel like they've been kind of handcuffed and they don't have that many options and the options that people think are there. I don't think are there. Um, so they got to work with what they have. And Tyrese Maxey's growth is maybe the paramount thing to them continuing um, their success. Yeah, totally. And uh, my final thoughts on, on the, I do think the Harden and Dame situations are very different just because of, yeah. you know, all of it, but for both sides and for the trailblazers specifically, I will say, you should not care where these guys want to play. You trade Dame Lillard to whoever offers you the best package. Feel the exact same about James Harden. If it's the San Antonio Spurs that offer the biggest package, you trade that player there because I think you owe it to your fans and your organization to do what's best for it 
way more than you owe the player. If Miami's throwing scraps, the Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry, Jaime Jaquez, and two first-round picks, that's not a Dame Lillard package. So do what's best for the organization. The, I don't want to go on a whole spiel, but I, I do I think it's play. crazy if they they like go down that lane and just like give Dame away. I fully agree with you. And I'm not normally the one to like side with a franchise or side with a team. Um, but for him to say, I only want to go to Miami and to, for that to be public knowledge that he doesn't want to play anywhere else, you're going to get nothing. You're going yeah. to get absolutely nothing. If Damian nothing. Lillard, who's in top 75 NBA player of all time, gets traded for Nikola Jovic, Tyler Hero, and a couple of firsts, we've now found ourselves in NBA graveyard scenarios. Yep. That is despicable. And they can't be the way that the NBA allows itself to operate. And it's no disrespect to Dame. I think that that is like, I I don't know. It's a real issue. I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like that he can just say, like, I'm only going to play for Miami. Because if that was the case, you should have, when you became a free agent, you should have signed there. Right. And you have that opportunity. And I think there's cases where asking out for a trade is reasonable and makes sense. This is a time where it's reasonable and it makes sense. And if he said, hey, preferably I want to go to a team that's contending or trying to contend, not a rebuild, I think that's fair. But for him to say there is one team and one team only, and they're going to give you a pile of dog shit in return, and you're going to have to reap the benefits of nothing that you get from trading the best player that's ever played for your franchise, that's wrong. Yeah. I think that's just morally incorrect, regardless of how many years. And I, I mean, I don't want to dis- diminish what he has done for them and what he deserves, because he does deserve to play for a team that wants to win. Sure, yeah. But like, there's a lot of teams that want to win. It's not just Miami Heat. One. I guarantee yeah. you that. Yeah. And um, like... To your point about the contracts, the way this organization, this league was meant to run is like when you are a free agent, you get to pick where you go. You're not allowed to force your hand after you sign a contract agreeing to play for a specific team for that amount of time, for that amount of money. And it's kind of shifted gears. So now it's guys take the money and then find a way to force out. And it's just like like we just saw Bradley Beal do the same exact thing. It's obviously I get it from the player's perspective. They're getting the most money this way. That's why this all happens. But if you're the organization, then they're breaking their agreement, then you have no obligation to them. And again, Dame is one of the more unique cases because of everything that he means to that franchise for sure. But I still think they owe it to themselves as a franchise, their fans, and all the other parts of it to there there's just not gonna be another player that looks back and says, Man, I really like how the Trailblazers trade him to the heat. Like that's an organization I want to play by. That's not gonna happen. So do what's right for you, get the best return, and it's time to rebuild. Dame should have been traded years ago. Yeah. And on top of that, like the whole bird right situation and being able to sign these contracts so that your home team was put in place to keep players there, not right. for you to wait, be eligible to sign it, sign it, and then immediately ask to be traded following that. Like, I think that that diminishes the entire fact of be- being able to say, hey, I stayed with my team so I can sign this extension so I can get this extra money so I can make way more than people that left. Because you're just doing the same thing. You're just waiting an extra year and then making it worse for the team by having to then pay you that money, wait a year, and then trade you for nothing. Um, so that we we went down a little bit of a tangent there. I'm glad we got that off our chest, though. Anything before, anything else you want to go through before we wrap up here? No, I think that's it. So yeah, I'm at a pop on the Sixers Summer League game. Um, make sure to stay posted for me and uh, the guys at Edge Philly Sports will be on live after just about every Summer League game, so stay on your toes for that. 
appreciate all you guys for tuning into this episode as always i think this was a good one uh, at least a little bit of six years news to keep us rolling through the off season <laughs> so make sure to drop a like on the video subscribe on the channel drop a comment let me know what you guys are thinking and me and james will talk with you next time